You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're going to get into the keys to beating the Cleveland Browns in perhaps the most meaningful battle for Ohio since the Cleveland Browns became an expansion team not too long ago after they moved to Baltimore and then reestablished a franchise in Cleveland. Like when these teams have played, James, there's been one team in the cellar and one mm-hmm. team, usually the Bengals or neither, trying to push for the playoffs. Recently, that has flipped a little bit. And this year, both teams in contention for a playoff spot going into week nine before we get to talking matchup the Bengals made some moves today James another first <laughs> round corner joins the roster Hakeem Adenogy gets back to the 53 and unfortunately for Darius Hodge fans Darius Hodge was waived I think there's a good chance he makes it back to the practice squad but yep Vernon Hargreaves is the name of the day yeah and I think I love this move. I really do. And it's not like it's a huge earth shattering move, or I think he's going to be a pro bowler or live up to his first round talent now, suddenly uh, with, uh, with Lou Anarumo and company. But the fact that they added an affordable option at corner, because it's hard to find anything else at this stage anyway, but an affordable option at corner that has made 57 starts, right? It's played in 65 games, has gotten a ton of experience, has made five starts this year. And I get it. It was for the Texans. doesn't matter to me. Like this team without Trey Waynes has a clear need or a potential need at corner. And so the fact that they've proactively went out and they got Trey Flowers and they claimed him. And now you claim a guy in Hargrave. So I think is more capable and more likely of playing outside. And, you know, not that he's going to take Eli Apple's spot, but it gives you more depth. And all you had to do was cut a guy that, uh, you know, you, it wasn't playing much in Nick McLeod. So I think that this was uh, a good move. When he, I saw he was released yesterday, I should have mentioned it on the show. Stupid, silly me. I didn't. But I was like, ah, oh, first-round corner. <laughs> well, they, uh, they grabbed another first-round corner. Between Eli Apple and now Vernon Hargreaves, Hargraves, however his name is pronounced, That's uh, a couple more first-round corners to go with Trey Waynes, and it continues the tradition, James, of the Bengals loving first-round cornerbacks, whether it's the ones they draft, like Jonathan Joseph, Leon Hall, Drake Kirkpatrick, Darquez Denard, William Jackson, or the ones they acquire via free agency or trade, like Terrence Newman, Adam Jones, Kelly Jennings. The Well, I guess uh, Trey Waynes was was acquired after he was drafted as well. And now they continue that tradition. Three first-round corners on the team again. And to me, you love this move. To me, it's like, great. I have no problem with this move. It's a no-risk waiver claim. I'm more excited about Hargraves than I was about Nick McLeod. He's a guy that came into the league as a consensus first-round talent. Nick Saban gave him an endorsement. I know he played for Florida, but Nick Saban praised Hargraves coming out in 2016. He was knocked for his size. He was knocked by some for, you know, some discipline issues, not off the field, but on the field in terms of, 
trying to jump routes, trying to play too aggressive at times, trying to read quarterbacks and losing his guy at times, but elite movement skills and was an 11th overall pick. And so sometimes you just take these bets. And like I said, Hargraves is a lot more exciting than Nick McLeod, even if he is your fourth, fifth corner. At least there's some potential there. There's some pedigree there, right? And he came into the league young. Mm-hmm. He's still young. And so some potential, maybe. I mean, doesn't necessarily play this year, maybe, right? But, you know, th- there's some potential there at the very, very least. Yeah, potential there. Let me ask you this. Who were you more excited about? Trey Flowers when they claimed him or Vernon Hargraves? Hargraves. Just, again, yep. pedigree. I, I think yep. he's actually even maybe been a better pro, although they're – very similar in terms of production and profile yeah like neither guy stands out they do very different things trey flowers bigger body Mm -hmm. guy uh doesn't move as well as hargraves who's not as big obviously so very different archetypes of corner but that athleticism tends to play usually you see freak athletes at corner figure it out i'm not saying hargraves well but just in terms of the history of the position the Mm -hmm. really really fast guys who can change direction really well usually work out at corner and and then it's just putting the mental part together so we'll see if lou anarumo can pull a mike zimmer and do some cornerback rehabilitation with this defense in cincinnati and the other move to talk about james is the return of akima denergy who i think could very well be the first offensive lineman off the bench now at a number of positions if he's in game shape if he's ready to go and he could still be in relatively close to game shape he came off that torn peck injury and so he could have stayed you know he, he it's not like he was necessarily super limited in terms of cardiovascular exercise that he could have been doing mm-hmm. so we'll see if he gets in there it might still be isaiah prince in those heavy formations but hakima denergy is a guy that's gotten work at guard at tackle and we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago i think when he was first activated or, or designated for return jim turner wanted to get him snaps at center back when Jim Turner was coaching the Bengals. So I don't know if that's happened. I doubt it, but it's nice to get some depth back on that interior or exterior offensive line where they have had some injuries. Brian Callahan was asked about this on Thursday, and he said they're comfortable with him at tackle and guard. And I love this because if there is hope, and maybe I'm just in a good mood, who knows, Jake, but if there's hope for bolstering the interior of this offensive line, that's the hope. I'm not banking on Trey Hill figuring it out. Jackson Carmen might figure it out, sure. But Akima Denegy played in 15 games last year. And I get it. There's a lot of, you know, moving, moving around. And it was under Jim Turner. And he hasn't gotten a lot of Frank Pollock reps in practice. It's only been really two weeks. But maybe, just maybe he does show those sweet feet that Dave Lapham raved about last year that, you know, this coaching staff was excited about. Maybe they do bring him in, and the next time Jackson Carmen gets dinged up, or maybe even before that, he, he gets some run at one of these spots. And it's just good to have another guy that at least the coaches are excited about. And I don't think he's going to go in there, because, again, he did appear in 15 games. He's not going to go in there and penalty it up, right, or just be shaking, oh, my gosh, this is my first NFL start. I don't think that's going to happen with the Kima Denergy. And that's the part that's exciting. So between him, hopefully Deontay Smith comes back at some point, you have some guys that might have a little bit of upside that might give you something if this depth gets tested because a couple weeks ago, they didn't have anyone. And it felt like they didn't have anyone 
six, what, five days ago when they, they were playing the Jets because you bring in Trey Hill and it kind of dismantles that final opportunity they had on offense. And it wasn't just Trey Hill, but it didn't help. It definitely didn't help. And the, the bigger deal to me about Adeniji getting back isn't necessarily his impact this year. I mean, this is a guy that we talked about coming out of Kansas that we knew was going to be a developmental kind of player where there isn't great talent development at Kansas for the offensive line. At least that's what the book said about Hakeem Adeniji. A lot of athletic traits that would need to be developed. And as you said, James, coach is very excited about this, about him. And we talked about this uh, again a few weeks ago at some point when we mentioned the guys that coaches told us they were excited about in the preseason. Mm -hmm. A lot of those guys have hit and have been exciting this year. And Shadobe Awuzie is probably the, the best example of that. And Logan Wilson is another one. So mostly on the defensive side of the ball, but Adenergy is a guy that when we talked about him coming off of the IR, there is some potential for this year. And more importantly, it's a development for the future. He gets to practice with the team for the rest of the year. He gets to go through game days for the rest of the year in year two. So it's not a lost year. And that does matter because when guys lose entire years, that can really be a setback or a killer in development and it takes a lot to overcome that but excited to see him back i'm a little bit sorry to see darius hodge go a guy that i thought could have been a developmental guy as a pass rusher but they're five deep at defensive end on the 53 right now and yeah there's a really good chance hodge makes it to the practice squad let's talk about things that matter this week james the keys to beating the cleveland browns in the first meaningful battle for ohio and i don't know how long coming up next Today's episode brought to you by McDonald's and Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson is the ruler of the jungle on Sunday. And you better believe he's going to stop at McDonald's either before the game or after the game. Look, I stop there on road trips all the time. It is such a quick and easy way to get awesome food, whether it's the chicken McNuggets or the French fries or a McFlurry, which it's a little cold out, but who says no to ice cream? But Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team and away team can come to recharge. So whether it's after a Friday night football game, Saturday hoops, which are right around the corner, or something as simple as a Little League game, go there, get great Wi-Fi, great food, and recharge with McDonald's. As always, I'm loving it. James, you and I agree the number one key to this game is well i'm just gonna i thought you're gonna finish my sentence i thought you were gonna do no i will don't it's one of two things if you're talking about offense you can't let miles garrett wreck it um if it's defense it's slowing down the rushing attack and trying to stop the run what which one are you talking about well i i think defense might actually be a little more complicated than that because it's not just the run it's like everything off the run so let's start with miles garrett because okay so it is is miles so we do agree yeah, okay. I, I think I think it's Miles Garrett, right? And it's it's not actually so simple there either. Really, it never is because the Cleveland Browns do have some guys on the perimeter who can cover, who've been good in coverage this year. There's some questions at safety and how those guys have played. They're missing JOK in the second level, but they're getting good play out of their backup linebackers like Taki Taki and Anthony Walker and all these guys. So on the defensive line, though, Miles Garrett is probably the best pass rusher in the NFL 
right now. And if he's not, he's certainly in the conversation, but I would say he probably is. And the reason I say probably is because I'm sure there will be people in the comments who want to argue with me about this and argue with you about this. Hendrickson, put some respect on his name, Jake. You know what? He's, uh, I think, leading the NFL in like pressure rate, according to ESPN. But over um, the past past year and a half. Yeah. NFL next gen stats. There you go. Uh, So that said, Miles Garrett is better and is better in every phase of the game. And as you said yesterday, James, Miles Garrett is going to find a weakness and the Browns aren't going to do like a TJ Watt treatment where he's going to line up at the same position the entire game. They will move him around. And that means the Bengals need to be ready for him at multiple spots and have a plan for him and Jadavion Clowney to a lesser extent and the rest of these guys on the Cleveland defensive line, wherever they line up. First play of the game, I'd line him up across from Jackson Carmen. And I'd say, all right, 79, what you got? Second play of the game, I line him up opposite Jackson Carmen. All right, 79, what you got? And then when it's third and long, because Miles Garrett has blown up a run at some point in there, <laughs> I'll line him up on the edge and see if he can get pressure on Burrow. Like he's that type of weapon. And so, yeah, they're going to have to find a way to neutralize him some. Because I, I think back to the sack fumble against Fred Johnson in week two, he had another one, I believe, in week seven last year, uh, a sack fumble. You cannot have those in this game. If, if history tells us anything but from last year, throw the records out because the Bengals were worse than the Browns, throw momentum out and realize that these quarterbacks might get into a a little bit of a duel and that might happen. And I could see that happening. And when that happens, especially historically, I mean, 58, 48 against, uh, you know, in 04, the Bengals beat the Browns. Then in 07, it was 51, 45 Browns beat the Bengals. Then last year, both games in the thirties. I mean, there's some of the battle of Ohio shootouts have been fun. And so I think Sunday could be that. And if that's the case, guess what you can't do? Be the offense that has that one turnover that just completely changes the outcome of the game or changes the momentum. And that's what Miles Garrett does. It's one thing to give up. Like if he has two sacks on Sunday, let's do this. Let's do the betonline.ag you know, spread here. If you could just take no strip sacks, no interceptions, nothing like that from Miles Garrett, where he tips one up in the air and someone intercepts it, would you take two sacks right now? If it's nothing else, or would you roll the dice and say, okay, let's, let's see how they do against him. What about the rest of the team? I mean, it's hard, right? Cause if miles Garrett has two sacks and that's part of an ensemble performance, it's eight sacks. Then I, I well, don't really brutal. like that. Um, but if it's miles Garrett is going to be the preponderance of the Cleveland Browns pass rushing and he gets two sacks then you, you might take that. Right. But Mm-hmm. you know it's that's uh that's like a, such a oversimplification a microcosm of, of what miles garrett does to a, a game plan you know for sure but the fact that like you there aren't many players where you'd be like yeah i'll take the two sacks but the fact that it's, there's even a dilemma there where it's like yeah well maybe yeah it, it's ridiculous it says how good he is that's all i'm trying to find like the player props for week nine and i, I can't find them now on short notice, so I'm curious. Like it might be one and a half sacks. How many sacks yeah. does Miles Garrett have this year? Right. So ten and a, uh, he has ten and a half. The the interesting thing is that in a in some games for the Browns this year, he's been exclusively on the right side. Week one, all of his snaps came on the right side, which would put him against the left side of the offense. Would put him against Jonah Williams. Week eight, last week against the Steelers, 
right end the entire game. You go back to week seven, he has five snaps on the left side of the uh, left side of the defense. Week six, another, what is this? Uh, he had a nose tackle snap. He had nine snaps on the left side of the defense. The week before that, 18 snaps on the left side of the defense. So the point here is the Browns aren't shy about moving him around, but it'll be interesting to see how they choose to attack. And yeah. I wonder if they'll see it as, you know what, we're going to let him... He's bigger than Jonah Williams. He's longer than Jonah Williams. He's more athletic than Jonah Williams. And we know Jonah's got the technique and and can do a good job, but we're just going to let him go out athlete Jonah Williams. Or if, as you said, James, they identify the issues that the Bengals have, have had on the interior and give him more interior snaps. And that's a place where on the left side, they haven't put him on the left side inside the tackle very much this year. I think it's a total of, you know, 12, 13 snaps plus the the nose tackle snap. So 14 or so snaps out of his 419 <laughs> have come in that part of the field. But if this is something that the Browns have identified that, you know, we're going to put our best player against a weakness, especially if the Bengals go empty, that would be very interesting to see from a tactical perspective. And it's something that I assume the Bengals have had to prepare for. Yeah, I, to me, if I'm the Browns, or it, it, let's switch it. It's locked on Bengals, not the Browns. Who cares about the Browns? If I'm the Bengals, I want them to say, hey, Miles, go out athlete Jonah Williams. I, If there's a scenario where you think you can come on top, out on top, I think that's probably it where, yeah, it might not be perfect, but do you trust Jonah to be fundamentally sound and trust his, you know, you know all the studying he's doing this week and everything? Like I do. Like, I think that's the best route, but I don't think if I'm the Browns, I would do that. I, you know, why would you go up against the Bengals' best offensive lineman? I think uh, it, certainly when you can line him up against Jackson Carmen, you can move him around. You can try to do that, especially in empty. Like Jackson Carmen versus Garrett, if they're empty, I mean, what, <laughs> good luck, right? I would yep. say good luck. I, I, you know, that's, that's a matchup. If I'm the Browns, if I see empty, I'm like a 95, go find 79. It would almost be like a, a Revis Island type of thing. I'd be like, all right, it's Carmen Island. This guy's yeah. going to have to block me on an aisle. The other thing there, and the Browns could take advantage of this is it's much easier to give help if miles Garrett lines up inside. But again, you can take advantage of that. If you know that you're going to get help because you move miles Garrett around, you get a one-on-one -on -one somewhere else. Right. And that is the upside of Riley Reef and Jonah Williams being your tackles. If those guys are on an island, I know Riley Reef has given up, you know, a handful of pressures lately, but they've just been, they've just stood out. It's not like it's a constant issue like it is with Bobby Hart constantly giving up the edge out there. So uh, I, I think that'll be really interesting. I think Burrow figuring out how to attack this Cleveland defense will be interesting. I think it'll be what we, what we see is the start of a trend where teams start to play too high, start to roll coverage over to Jamar Chase's side of the field. Will that continue from New York to, to Cincinnati when they host the Browns this week? And if that does continue, can Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins continue to exploit that, uh, that extra attention for Jamar Chase? Because Cleveland does have better corners than, than does uh, New York. And even if that's rookie Greg Newsom, even if it's Greedy Williams, those guys are probably a little bit better 
than what New York had to offer. So I do think this is a tougher defensive test in every way than the Jets were. Sure, no doubt. And so for the offense, Miles Garrett and the rest of this defense is, is going to be a challenge, and we'll see if Joe Burrow can do as he wants to do and put 40 up. Meanwhile, when the Browns have the ball, Baker Mayfield presents his own challenges and certainly did last year as well. We'll talk about that coming up next. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats, and man, Thanksgiving's coming soon. But it's the perfect time for Built Bars, the month of November. And I have a Built Bar every single day because you can have something delicious like a blueberry muffin and feel good about it. It's all about that balance, right? Because weekend's coming, weekend's here. You're going to watch the Bengals on Sunday. You'll probably, you know, if you're at home, you're going to have a few or you go out, you know, have some cold. You have the Built Bar throughout the week and it helps balance things out and helps you continue your fitness journey. Or maybe you just want to have a little bit of a healthier lifestyle, healthier snack, and you're not sacrificing taste by any stretch. Every single built bar covered in 100% chocolate, high in protein, low in sugar, low in carbs, perfect for you, perfect for me, perfect for Jake Lisko, perfect for anybody playing in that game on Sunday that we're talking about. So check out built.com right now. And use promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. One of my favorite things is getting those Twitter messages about people that are trying Built Bars for the first time. And it seems like we get a couple every week. Anyway, go check out BetOnline.ag, the number one spot for all of your basketball and football betting action this year. They've got a new interface. If you haven't seen it for a while, go check out the new website. They've got even more odds, props, and lines than ever before. We've got a promo code for you. You'll get 50% matched on your first deposit. You use promo code locked on and you're going to get a bunch of free money. And I think everybody loves free money. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag using promo code locked on from basketball to football. NHL's going on. Now, if you like hockey, UFC's out there too. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at betonline.ag. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. James, I got a fun fact for you. Oh, I Did love you fun know facts. That the Cleveland Browns have allowed the sixth most sacks in the NFL this year. 23 wow. sacks allowed. Did you know that the Bengals' 21 sacks is fourth most? In the NFL, we're talking about Miles Garrett and the problems he's going to pose for Joe Burrow. How about Baker Mayfield and this beleaguered offensive line in Cleveland, which is still a very good unit, but is hurt at every position. J.C. Treader's been on a load management practice schedule. Jedrick Wills at left tackle's been hurt. Jack Conklin isn't playing this week. Their backup Hubbard, their backup tackles out for the year a litany of injury issues along this Cleveland offensive line. And I wonder if that is something to watch, but you mentioned run game. So I mentioned off the run game, the boots and the nakeds and the play action stuff. Cause that's where sure. the jets kind of went early. That's where we've seen Jacksonville attack. And so it's that package, right? It's yeah. Nick Chubb. And then everything they do off of the threat of Nick Chubb with an offensive line that's really good at uh, blocking wide zone. And yes, Dearness Johnson. 
Yeah, put some respect on Dearness's name. Do he I saved a to? lot of people's wait, fantasy wait, wait, lives a couple weeks ago. Okay, but like you're 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 stumping for the Browns a little bit too hard here, James. No, I'm not. I just, you know, he, he put up some big numbers in fantasy. You got to put some respect on his name. And look, if you don't, then you're going to get Ty Johnson. I mean, you know, like that that's kind of how I look at it. Like Kareem Hunt's out and it should be like, oh, you only have to deal with Nick Chubb. But no, Dearness Johnson can play. And so that's yeah. uh, that's a tough thing. But yeah, you're right. Because Baker Mayfield isn't elite. And a lot of Bengals fans have mentioned that this week. But he's elite at that. When he's healthy, like uh, you get him on the run a little bit, you know, bootlegs, you do the the play action stuff, you do that, and he completes, what was it, 21 straight, 22 straight last year with no Odell Beckham Jr. at Paul Brown Stadium to beat the Bengals. Like he went Mike White on you. And so you got to make sure, I can't believe that's a term that we can use, by the way, but you have to make sure that that does not happen. And it's to me it starts – with something really, really simple that they were awful at last week, when you're there and in position, make the damn tackle. And it's really hard to do with Nick Chubb, but you have to, have to, have to do it. You can't have 15 missed tackles, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, if we're talking about that on Monday, then we're uh, we're talking about a, an L in the Battle of Ohio for the Bengals. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see as well, like, if – yeah, the tackling needs to bounce back. And you can go look at the trend. Paul Daner tweeted this. I tweeted about the uh, the blitz rates against, and there's a very stark contrast in how often teams are blitzing the Bengals when they win and lose. There's also a yep. very stark contrast in their missed tackle percentage from PFF when they win or lose. When they lose, they've missed 17% of their tackles. In like each game, 17 point something or 18 point something percent. In the games they've won, they've been around 10% which I think is probably a much more acceptable number. So tackling, absolutely agree with that. You know, discipline and run fits, not getting too deep in zones, as Logan Wilson talked about and Lou Anarumo talked about this week. These are things that are going to matter. And, you know, doing your job and and not getting, you know, over-aggressive the way that the defensive line did at times early against the screen game of the Jets, these are things that could matter against the Browns, but I'm going to be interested to see how the Browns choose to attack the Bengals as well. They're banged up on offense, as I mentioned, and, and Odell Beckham Jr. probably not going to play. So, you not know, either. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, who's going to be battling through an injury, maybe, you know, David Njoku, some tight ends, Austin Hooper. But is it going to be the week two approach from Baker Mayfield where he held the ball forever? Or is it going to be the week seven approach from Baker Mayfield last year when he averaged 2.22 seconds to throw and got rid of the ball lightning quick, just like Mike White did last week against the Bengals and goes out there and, and throws, you know, three big time throws and, and is, is very accurate downfield and they're engineering open guys off of play action. It's going to be interesting to see what approach we get from Cleveland because Unlike last year, when we had these shootouts in the Battle of Ohio, these two very high-scoring games, both defenses this year are better. And the Bengals specifically have spent all of these resources to try to get a defense that can contain the running games in the AFC North. And so how does Cleveland adapt? And how do the Bengals adapt? We talked about the offense uh, in the last segment, but how does Cleveland also adapt or attack this Bengals defense that last week was content to sit back and not rotate, not try to confuse, 
after the after the first half. Because in the second quarter, they were blitzing and sending zone pressures and doing things to try to confuse Mike White, as Bengal Sands pointed out on allbengals.com, I believe, in his film breakdown article. Shout out, James, allbengals.com. Uh, they, they're going to have to be a little bit more dynamic this week, I think, and, and go mm-hmm. back to, okay, what did we do to beat Lamar Jackson and how can we apply those principles? Not necessarily those same schemes, those same techniques, but those same ideas of trying to confuse Baker Mayfield and attacking the things that he's weak at and not just sit back in coverage and say, you know what, he can't beat us. We're going we're gonna to line up and beat him. Like, let's use scheme to our advantage as well. And I would like to see Luana Rumo and this defensive staff and these defensive players figure that out this week and be more exciting on that side of the ball. They're coming for Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, and Jermaine Pratt. I know I would be. I would say we're going to test these linebackers. We're we're going to go at it. And you're right. I look the fact that they didn't try to confuse Mike White more. I mean, why? Why would you not do that? You know, Baker Mayfield's much more experienced than White, but you certainly should do that. Heck, before the Ravens game, what was I saying? I was like, well, everyone's talking about how the Ravens defense can can confuse quarterbacks. How about you try to confuse Lamar? And it's the same thing here. You know, it's. In the NFL, everybody's really, really good. So to say, go out there and beat them. Like, for example, Miles Garrett, just go out athlete Jonah William. I would never tell him to do that. I would move him around and give him the best matchup every single snap. And, and hopefully he eats if you're the Browns, right? That's how you look at it. But from the Bengals perspective, yeah, these linebackers, we'll see how that, you know, if they can answer the call, answer the bell. Uh, no Odell Beckham Jr., Donovan Peoples-Jones, to me, is their field stretcher. You know, we know what Jarvis Landry can do. Mike Hilton's gone up against him plenty. So that'll be an interesting uh, back and forth there. And um, getting Baker Mayfield, making him uncomfortable early, where he's getting hit, taking hits on that shoulder, right? And uh, and not allowing the easy pass. Because that's what happened. Mike White got into a groove, and Baker's the same way, man. He's such a rhythm. Not that most quarterbacks aren't, but he's such a rhythm passer. Where if you get get him into those play actions, Nick Chubb's running for five and a half yards. He's going to hit Njoku. He's going to make the right decisions, and he's, he's going to be pretty accurate. That's what we've seen. Now, will he be as accurate with this shoulder? He hasn't been this year, but I – I'm not banking on him being inaccurate on Sunday. So that's uh, that's a huge part about it. So w- we've seen Baker. He's 5-1 and one against the Bengals, 17 touchdowns or 18 touchdowns, one of the two. And uh, I've said it all week because he's been good uh, against Cincinnati every time he's played him. And this is a chance for this defense, to me, to show, for me at least, to prove that last week was an outlier and that that wasn't them. Because that's kind of the defense, maybe not that bad, but that I expected to see coming into the year didn't have high expectations for this defense and they exceeded them through seven weeks and then they uh, laid an egg. So what are they going to do with that egg? Are they going to nurse it? Or are they going to throw it against the wall and say that that's BS and that's not who they are? That's uh, that's what I'm waiting to see on Sunday. So should I, uh, should I give my prediction or do you have more to say? I've got a couple more things I want to hit really quickly. One Larry Joby revenge game. Get that pressure in the interior of the defensive line, and this matters, and I bring this up because Baker Mayfield this year has been a catastrophe when he's pressured. He's been pressured on about 29% of his dropbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, completing just 43% of his passes under pressure. He's just not making good decisions. He's throwing a lot of turnover-worthy passes under pressure. Mm -hmm. But we talked about, you know, the blitz idea. 
the answer is not just blitz Baker Mayfield relentlessly because he's been excellent against the blitz. He's been blitz just 20% of the time this year, but on those plays has an 82 passing 82 overall offensive grade from PFF is completing 68% of his passes for 10.6 yards per attempt. When you don't blitz him and you make him beat coverage, just 7.8 yards per attempt. So a very stark split there, plus three in yards per attempt from like very, very average to would be leading the league if you look at yards per attempt in a vacuum when blitz versus when not blitz. So it's going to be defensive linemen and zone zone pressures where you're bringing four, you're bringing those simulated pressures, find a way to get pressure without bringing extra guys. And that despite that thing I mentioned at the top of this segment, the Bengal sack numbers, the Brown sack numbers is, is not something that the Bengals have been great at this year. So with all of that said, James, let's get your prediction to the Bengals take care of business and bounce back from a loss as they have this year and bounce back at home after their three game road stretch, or are we going to have a long bye week? What did Joe Burrow do this year against the Steelers? Oh, he, he helped the Bengals win. All right, that was his second time playing them. What did he do against the Ravens, his second time playing the Ravens? Oh, he helped them win. He balled out his second time against the Browns, but the team around him sort of failed last year. I think he comes out and just really tries to shred this deep. I, I think he's going to have a big game, a, a really big game. I and Maybe I'm jinxing him and people are going to crush me. I think Burrow is going to have a big game. I don't think, and I get it, you're right, the secondary, they – They're better than what the Bengals faced last week, but the Bengals beat the Bengals last week. And I think they're going to be pretty damn dialed in. And I expect this offense to just hit the ground running and find ways to uh, push the ball down the field, make big plays, generate big plays. You're not going to have the Jamar Chase drop. Tyler Boyd's going to be on the same page in the red zone. Um, So, yeah, I I think that that part's going to happen. And then defensively, that's where I I start to question it a bit. And we'll, we'll figure out what this defense is made of. Ultimately, though, do I see Joe Burrow dropping to 0-3 against Baker Mayfield and the Browns? No, I don't. And maybe I'm crazy. Maybe they do end up 5-4. and four. I just think that, that Burrow is, is going to be possessed this week. I think this offense is going to carry them to a victory, and the defense is going to play better for the fourth straight week, Jake. Four, four straight week. They're going to hit my 30-point threshold that I, I set before the season, Bengals 31, Browns 27, close, but no cigar for Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski and company. The Bengals sneak out of Paul Brown Stadium with a win in the Battle of Ohio, improved a 3-0 and in the AFC North, and improved a 6-3 and before the bye week. What do you think about that? I would love it. I think that'd be great. And we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm just... I think there are so many intriguing things to talk about here. We we didn't yep. hit them all. Another one that we didn't get to, James, just before we wrap up, is the Browns don't blitz. They've blitzed very, very little overall this year. And we know how good Joe Burrow is against the blitz. So, you know, how Joe Burrow beats this Browns defense in your 31 to 27 scenario is, is something that'll be very interesting to me to see because I think the Browns are going to sit back and make him have to be patient and take what they're giving him. And if he doesn't, then Miles Garrett's going to be there because uh, mm-hmm. you're not going to hold him off for that long. So a lot of really interesting things here. But I think the bottom line you, you kind of point out there is, is Baker Mayfield going to go to 3-0 and against Joe Burrow's team? Boy, 
I don't, I don't like that idea. Let's not do yeah. that. That's part of, like you say it out loud. You're like, ah, that's not going to happen. I think Tyler Boyd's going to have another huge game. And I, I think chase, chase and chase, he shows up in big moments. I think he's going to go for a hundred plus. There you go. And that's another the, prediction. the biggest reason that the Bengals have been putting up 30 points a week the last few weeks is what Jamar Chase does to defenses. Next time you hear from us, we'll be after the Cincinnati Bengals host the Cleveland Browns in week nine. We'll be going into a bye week, and boy, do I hope it's at six and three for the Bengals. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one.